what I, what I say about music all the time is that like, I think the core purpose that music exists is to express an emotion. And sometimes that's like a complex emotion. Like I, I miss someone and it makes me happy and sad at the same time to think about them or what happens in both funk and rock and roll a lot, which is the emotion being conveyed is just fuck. Yeah. Welcome to Rockefeller's Storytellers, a podcast by Dead Horse Jive, Ireland's best-dressed rock and roll band. So, in each episode two of Dead Horse Jive, we'll sit down for a long-ish conversation. The questions for each episode will be written by the other members of the band. So, yeah, this is the only podcast in which a band basically interviews itself on a weekly basis. Okay, so, hello and welcome to Rockefeller's Storytellers, the podcast with a name that I can pronounce correctly on the first try. Uh, I am Owen O'Shaughnessy. I play the bass in a rock and roll band called Dead Horse Jive. Joining me is John Martin Tierney. How are you getting on, John? Good evening. How are you getting on? John, what we're going to do today is some of the other lads in the band have written down some stuff for us to discuss. So I think we should just uh, launch right into it. Yeah. Um, And starting off with an easy one. (laughs) Is Varadkar doing a good job, John? And this question comes with the caveat, um, be honest. Be honest. Um, Well... In like, I'll I'll be fair. In fairness, like, he's doing pretty good. Him and like all the ministers that ha- that you know have been tasked with uh, getting us through this shit show are doing a pretty good job. But also, they have to. You know, like you can give them praise, but you can also it it doesn't like somehow negate them from the normal. I was going to say treatment, but not quite treatment. The normal kind of way you would look at people who run the country, you know, because they're still running the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, like, impressed with um, Ireland's response so far. I think a lot of the credit really comes, just comes down to the people, you know. Everyone's been taking the lockdown measures really seriously. Everyone's been very good. Everyone's been staying home. So I th- I think more so than the people whose job it is to not let everyone die of a deadly virus. Uh, I think the real credit should be with everyone who's just kind of getting on with a, with a tough situation. It's genuinely uplifting to see so many people near unanimously work together to get us through it. It kind of gives you some hope in humanity, whereas up till very recently you would have had absolutely none, do you know? If, if we just yeah, look at does. Ireland, only Ireland, <laughs> you might have some faith in humanity. And don't look anywhere I, else. <laughs> so. uh, moving on to uh, something a bit more lighthearted. What is the funniest thing, John, that has ever happened to you at a gig? Uh, I play in a band called Yanage as well. And Charlie McCarthy is the bass player, and he's class. Great uh, bass player, he's, yeah. He's that little bit shorter than me. So at a gig, there was about maybe 15 minutes to go. And I got into a really, uh, really heavy bit. And I just pure brained him like right in the top of the skull uh, with my guitar. And he, absolute champion, kept going to the end of the gig. 
Uh, but I didn't find out that I actually did that until about two weeks later when John Regetz was showing me the footage and just bang, straight down on top of the head. <laughs> and he didn't say anything. No. And then I texted him and he was like, oh yeah, but I was a bit dizzy, so I just didn't say anything. <laughs> That's bizarre because I have walloped you in the back of the head with my bass guitar many, many times and I always hear about it immediately. <laughs> Remember that time we were loading up to a studio in Dublin? Just wham, right right at the the base of the spine where it meets the skull with the thunderbird. I know, like there's there's <laughs> genuinely no, I I have my base in the room with me here and there are little little chips and marks on the headstock and I possibly all just from contact with your head. <laughs> my head'll be pure concrete by the end of this lap. Um, so this is a pretty big question here. John, are there any songs that you regret writing? I was having to think about this question. And to be honest, I don't know. Because I think if I wrote a song and I regretted writing it afterwards, I probably just wouldn't show it to somebody. Right. And I might have just, you know, left it in my Google Drive archive and forgotten about it. Or maybe like used an aspect of it in a future song. Like a type of song would be like if you referenced maybe a very specific event in it. But I, I don't think I've written any of them. But then say like yourself, say uh, Feck Off Back to Dusseldorf. Would you think maybe after the time of writing that, that you're like, God, that's awful specific. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe maybe you completely um, fictionize I, that for the purpose of the song, if you want to discuss. Yeah, I guess the one, the one thing I think about with uh, Dusseldorf is I wrote, Fuck off back to Dusseldorf about a time I was I was dating a German girl. She was an au pair and she was moving back to Germany. And I, I wanted to write a song about the, the, the feeling of when someone you care about moves away and you know that you're going to miss them and you kind of like end up resenting them in a weird way. And I thought it would be funny to um, have like verses that are about how much you're going to miss this person and have the chorus just to be fuck off. And I th- like that. Yeah. The only thing I... I don't, I don't regret it, but I do think a lot about like if that girl ever heard that song now and she'd be like, dude, you're still playing that? You're, you're still in a band? What are you doing, man? It's a good song. Leave me alone. I think the only time I ever come close to regretting writing a song is when you write a song, you're all excited to play, you bring it to the band, it sounds really good, but then you forget like we're in a band that gigs a lot. So before long, you've played that song hundred times and now you just hate it. But you don't take it out of the set because, you know, it's a good song. I think uh, it leaves straight away. I think, I think you, you said that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, <laughs> the leaves has been in the set for so long now. It's rarely that it's not in a set uh, because, you know, like we, we have it as a single. So you're thinking is like, we have to play leaves because it was our last single. I've just grown to hate the song because of repetition i suppose we could say that about any song though it's kind of like a, it, it's a funny kind of like euphoric feeling like yes i have written the best song ever six weeks later fuck this song <laughs> okay so this is a fun one so we've been asked about a couple of different talking points here for this next one uh first one being and maybe john you can give me some context for this that dumbass comedian who said wrestling was for dumb people i have no idea what that's about i mean i could google it but i think it's look we've you know we've we've joked a lot on this show in the past about about wrestling (laughs) 
<laughs> about wrestling and about people who enjoy wrestling. I'm just going to take this opportunity to say that's purely just trying to wind up Joycey, who's big into his wrestling and is clearly pretty angry about some comedian who said wrestling was for dumb people. So I don't know who said that, but I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with them. I think let people like what they like, whether yeah, that be, you know, that. Uh, wrestling or astrology or history or biology. I don't, I don't know why I put those together, <laughs> wrestling and astrology. <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess astrology is just kind of another thing that people kind of uh, shit on people for liking. But uh, I don't know. People just find the things that they like to get them through this nightmare of a world and just let them have it. Capitalism coping mechanism. Yeah, that's a good... I like that. That's a good term. I think we should start using that. Make it a hashtag. Um, you're almost 30 and you're still playing Pokemon. Hey, man, it's my capitalism coping, what do you call it? Capitalism coping mechanism. Yeah, it's my capitalism coping mechanism, man. And people go, oh, shit, sorry, sorry dude, sorry, I didn't realize. Sorry, no, I didn't that's, mean, I didn't mean yeah, you, you play your Pokemon. So, how do you feel when people pronounce your name Shaughnessy? Shaughnessy, you know, I don't think that's ever happened. My name's pronounced O'Shaughnessy. And it's not like the rarest of names. I guess it's not a common name. But I guess the anglicized version is Shaughnessy. But no one ever really makes that mistake. I think, I think Shaughnessy is actually like an a, aesthetically nicer name. It occurred to me, you know um, Tom McPartland? Yeah. Uh, plays under the stage name Partland. Tom McPartland, by the way, just released uh, a single. I think it's called Lonely As Me. It's class. Check it out. But his stage name is Partland and his name is Tom McPartland. I thought maybe I could do that with Shaughnessy. Like, my name is Owen O'Shaughnessy, and I just have the band name be Shaughnessy, because I think Shaughnessy is quite uh, a nice name. But I like that as a concept, like, as a, as a way of naming bands. Like, can you imagine if you were listening to Partland and you, you didn't know that his name was Tom McPartland and then you found that out? That would be hilarious. That would be like if you found out that the name of the guy from Coldplay was Tom McColdplay. <laughs> I suppose. Right? Like- yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same. I suppose. Did um did we answer the question about James Colohan's single? Oh, I think I think we accidentally skipped it. Do you want to ask me that one there? So, on a scale of one to ten, rate James Colohan's new single. Thirteen out of ten. Class. I'm about the same. It's pretty tight. Uh, anyone listening uh, gets the chance. Definitely do look up. Um, Give Me a Minute by James Goulhan. You'll have to give him four minutes and 40 seconds, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, so, John, do you yes. find it fun researching guitar pedals and what they can potentially do for your sound? I can spend, especially now that I'm at home all the time, I can spend hours upon hours just watching pedal reviews, pedal demos. I suppose we might as well, just very quickly, just for anybody, a guitar pedal or just an effects pedal in general. It's a, it's a little box and you plug it in uh, and then you plug your guitar or your bass or whatever instrument in and it affects the sound somehow. If it's a delay pedal, it'll repeat your sound. If it's a distortion pedal, it'll give you that cranked rock sound, etc., etc. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm just looking over at my pedal board there because I, I was waiting on a delivery of pedal tape but basically just Velcro uh, to stick on the back of them. Because I got, I got a tremolo pedal off the guitar player from Mercury Mouth. 
that's a sound I've wanted for a while. So I'm really happy to finally have that. But of course, now there's no gigs, so I can't play with it, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a killer. But like, I think when I, when I, look, at, um, when I look at effects finals, and I definitely have fallen into the hole of just like going through the entirety of what Tolman has, looking up reviews for each product, listening to the demos and everything. Some pedals are really practical, like a compressor pedal. There's no fun to be had with a compressor pedal, but it's like really important to have for recording and, um, and gigging. But then there's ones like that are just fun, that you just get so that you can sit in your bedroom and loop spacey shit. Joycey was talking about a synth pedal that he got, which makes his guitar sound like a, like a synth from the 80s. He said he was just playing with that for hours. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that on the market for bass, I've noticed, because so much like really iconic bass lines from the 80s are actually just synth bass like a lot of michael jackson stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, was just synth bass so like what, what what people are doing now that that technology is there people like michael league from Snark, uh, snarky puppy he'll use the, the pedals that he has to try and recreate sounds made by a synth which was originally made to try and recreate the sound of a bass yeah so that's ama- that's where we are in, t- in terms of that kind of technology which i just a- I, I love it it's amazing because in the 80s, these like synth sounds and bass synth sounds and whatever have to be in a huge 88 key size keyboard thing. And now they can have it in a thing that's a little bigger than your fist with just one little button on it and just a couple of knobs. It's amazing that the technology has like shrunk it down in relatively a short time and, and made it so, so cheap as well and readily available. Because like you try and get like an actual synth from the 80s that are used on these records and you'd be looking at four or five figures like, you know, whereas you can get a pedal that emulates that thing for like 100 quid. John, actually, it occurs to me, I, I have a question of my own for you. Yes, I'm scared. You know that pedal you have that's just got like an anime girl on it? <laughs> you never bring it to gigs. What does it do? Oh, I forgot about that. So it's... it's um. This pedal is kind of like a meme for a while. It's called a Korg Miku. And Korg, okay. Korg would be a brand that mostly does synths and stuff. It's, what's the character's name? Miku Hatsune, I think. It's supposed to emulate an anime character called Miku Hatsune, who, do you know what? I better make sure that that's actually her name, because Hatsune Miku even. So it's this like anime character who also does like hologram gigs and stuff. So, so the guitar goes in and the guitar like triggers like different phrases and stuff and different words in, <laughs> but being the voice of the anime character, but at different, at whatever pitch the guitar is at, like whatever note, but you can't use it on any recordings because all the sounds are copyrighted in it. Even if I oh. wanted to demonstrate it now, I, this thing would probably get pulled for copyright, but Rob Chapman and the captain from Andertons did a really good video on it. If anybody wants to look it up and it's, I will definitely be checking that out as soon as we're finished recording today. It's, it's totally impractical. It doesn't track very well. Like you play the note and then half a second later, the sound comes out, you know, so you couldn't really play anything intricate with it, but it is quite funny. And I might have to throw it on the board for the first gig back just for the crack and see like, because I definitely have room for it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see, I think that's that's something that people don't um, take into consideration enough when they're looking at musical equipment and gear. You know, people talk about like, is it cost effective? Is it 
Is it practical? Does it use phantom power? And all these boring questions. But no one ever asks, is it gas? Yeah, I like a good gas you know, pedal. Makes the I haven't go. heard what your anime, anime girl effect does, but it's definitely gas. So it's worthwhile for that alone. If anybody wants to immediately see what the pedal looks like, it's actually in the background of the leaves video. It's behind... Joyce and Martin on the shelf. That's right. Connor Quinlan, who directed the video for Leaves, he said, bring three items that uh, you feel represent your personality in some way. And uh, you brought an effects pedal that turns your guitar into <laughs> an anime girl. <laughs> I don't. And if that doesn't say a lot about you. <laughs> You are listening to Rockefeller Storytellers by Dead Horse Jive, the podcast where a band interviews itself on a weekly basis. We would love to hear from you if you have thoughts about today's episode. So you can get in touch on Facebook, send us a message, you can tweet us, Instagram, or you can send us an email at deadhorsejiveband at gmail.com. If you like today's episode, then please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts or do it the old fashioned way and tell a friend. And now, with no further ado, it's back to Rockefeller's Storytellers. All right, so our next question is for John. Outline all the ways that Liverpool are better than Man United. I have a feeling I know who wrote that question. Reeks of Dara. I'm about as passive a soccer fan as, you know, the next lad, but I would passively support Man United. My answer to that question is Cristiano Ronaldo because that's the last time I supported soccer properly. <laughs> okay, Shocks, here's one for you. How would you feel if the current Premier League season were halted permanently and Liverpool were awarded the title? How do you plan to justify this stance to Man United fans who claim it's not exactly the same as winning it over the 38 games? Look, I've been trying not to think about football for, for obvious reasons, but... I have thought about this one a lot and I think I would absolutely hate it if the season was cancelled and Liverpool were handled, handed the title right now because, look, we've been waiting for a title for, oh, what, since, since 1990, you know, 30 years, since before I was born. I've never got to see my club win a title. I just don't want the first title that we win in my lifetime to always have an asterisk next to it. It wouldn't even be the United fans and the slagging. I personally would feel like, like something I, I was really looking forward to for something I thought I'd never get to see was just like tarnished in that way. And I, I honestly think that the only fair way to end the Premier League season is to, is, is to do just that, is to actually end it, postpone it for months, completely reschedule next season to start much later and then play all of the remaining games. It's not just the title that needs deciding. There's relegation as well. That could mean hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds potentially to clubs like Leeds United, who will definitely be coming up. What, what will happen to them? And I, I, ju- I just think that cancelling the season, it'll reward mediocrity and punish excellence. Yeah, 
I get you. Uh, I when you were talking, you know, I could tell how passionate you're getting about it and how passionate you are about it. I, I got brought back to Fever Pitch last year where they were showing the Champions League final on a big screen. And just between yourself and Martin leaping about the place at the final whistle. And that one lad who like ripped off his shirt on the security yeah. guard. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I remember when we got through the final and then it turns out like it, it was scheduled it. for the same date that we were playing Fever Pitch. Thanks be to God, they showed it at the festival. They had a big screen. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Like Liverpool win and the stunning are on stage. But as soon as the match is over, they cut the feed. And I look at Martin and I'm like, wait a minute, they're not going to show Henderson lifting the trophy. Oh my God, what are we going to do? So we, you know, oh, Sheridan's. Sheridan's is, is down the road. If we, if we run, we'll be able to make it. So we start bolting it through the festival, like as fast as we can go, hopping over like hurdles. And while, while we're running, uh, the stunning are playing, uh, Romeo is on fire. And it just... Perfect. I, it was pissing rain. <laughs> Romeo's on fire is getting blared at us and we're running down the road to try and catch the captain of the club that we love lift the Champions League trophy. It was... Never mind the fact we played the best gig of our lives that day. Liverpool, that's all. <laughs> did, we play a, did we play a gig that... Oh, yeah. Favourite yeah, pitch, that was, man. <laughs> that, that was pretty good, I guess. Ah, oh, stop. That was... <laughs> that was one of my favorite gigs we've ever done ever it was it was it was amazing it was an incredible incredible experience so moving on john do you incorporate any of your own tastes and influences in the music that you perform well the first thing that comes to mind straight away is uh, i really love Wolfpack, and Corey wong is one of my favorite guitarists if not my favorite guitarist and i definitely have taken a lot of influence in my guitar playing from him uh, with like the right hand with the picking uh, mm-hmm. with you know implementing funk funky kind of elements into some of the more recent Dead or Strive songs uh, and even in the older ones like with my picking technique and stuff making it a bit more like giving it a bit more flavor you know so I definitely have done that like that's the most obvious one that comes to mind straight away it, it, it came to my mind as well like I can really see the Corey Wong influence in in how you play the guitar it's it's really evident there like all the all the muting and uh in your tone as well I think there's a lot of Corey Wong and kind of tones that you like especially when I'm on the strat yeah definitely yeah. and it's uh it's 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 cool to see that kind of all that technique, which is firmly rooted in funk music, taken out of that context and being applied to the to the rock and roll songs that we play. I mean, anything you can do to make a song more fun, you know, it gives the song a bit more energy, you know, when there's a bit of a chicka, 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 you know, and people would like move to that. And anything that can do that is, is a good thing, you know, even if it is technically weird, but it works. You know, so that's, that's yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that it works. What I, what I say about music all the time is that, like, I think the core purpose that music exists is to express an emotion. And sometimes that's like a complex emotion, like I, I miss someone and it makes me happy and sad at the same time to think about them. Or what happens in both funk and rock and roll a lot, which is the emotion being conveyed is just Fuck yeah. That's a valid feeling worth conveying in music, I think. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe that's why, maybe that's why um, 
taking funk influences and and bringing that into a rock and roll context works so well because a lot of the time the 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 emotion that they're both trying to get through is just that same kind of fuck yeah feeling yeah i can see that i think i think for you anyway from from an outside perspective you'd incorporate a lot of double bass techniques and runs and stuff into the rock and roll stuff do you know so if you want to say anything about that I guess it's not something I ever really would have thought of, but I think, yeah, when you're playing with musicians so often and for so long, you'll notice things about them that you don't notice, mm. that they won't notice themselves. So that makes sense. I, yeah, I, I, I played at the double bass for, for years. So, yeah, I guess it, it makes sense that it would, it would have an influence on how I played the, the bass guitar. How could it not? I stopped playing the, the double bass, though, because it's too big. <laughs> and now when people ask me, can I bring it to a gig or do I still play it? I just don't know. No, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I threw it into the sea. But then your normal bass, not say normal, your electric bass is massive as well. <laughs> so what do you have? Yeah, I play a Thunderbird, which is enormous. And that is um, the direct so cause of a lot of John's head trauma. <laughs> it's so oddly shaped as well, even on the body. It is so weirdly shaped and it's really heavy. It's really yeah. he- and it's top heavy. So like all the weight is in the neck and the headstock. So when we're doing like two and a half hour gigs, my, my back is messed up after it. Like with your, pl- with your finger in hand, you're physically keeping Reaching up, out right? as far as your, your hand will go to play it, yeah. Whereas I can kind of like put my hands behind my head and something and my guitar will stay exactly where it is. Whereas you're, you're and that that guitar that you play that like is lighter than air. Yeah, that'll be the modern player telly. Brilliant, that thing is ridiculous. Guitar. Like I, you actually feel like it's going to to fly float away. Yeah. The direct opposite of <laughs> my Thunderbird. Okay, do you want to move on to the next one? Ah, yeah. So shocks. What was it about being a bass player that got you interested in the instrument and taking it on as a profession? Well, I'll I'll I don't think I'll ever be able to forget the the moment that 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 made me pick up the bass guitar and that was um in i think it was 2007 2008 my friend was showing me a youtube video and youtube youtube was really new at the time you know youtube was only invented in 2005 Mm. and uh the video he put on was metallica live in like 84 playing for whom the bell tolls and in that live video before they play it, Cliff Burton comes out and just rips off an absolutely mental solo on the bass. He's putting it through a, a, a guitar distortion pedal and it just sounds insane. And I remember thinking, oh, that noise. I, I want to make that noise. I want to be the one making that noise. I want to be on that stage doing that stuff with my hands and being the one who makes that noise. So I saved up and I got my bass guitar and then... Uh, after joining bands, I, I wasn't really that into Metallica anymore. And for years, I think I had a weird kind of disdain for the bass, where like I think I just wanted to be a guitar player, but I knew how to play the bass. So people always need a bass player. Loads of people asked me what I play bass for them. So that just, that just ended up being what I was. I was a bass player. And I remember years ago, in an early incarnation of Dead Horse Jive, myself, Martin and Joycey were looking for a new rhythm guitar player. And uh, I said, why don't we look for a new bass player? And I can also play the guitar. And the boys just said, no. 
And uh, of course, I'm I'm really glad of that now. Just I think from I think from so many years, I was like just not a very good bass player, a bad bass player even. And then just like one point, maybe like two, three years ago, something something changed in me, and I just kind of fell in love with the bass guitar, and I started practicing all the time. I learned about all the things that the bass can do that no other instrument can. You know, you listen to um, people like Victor Wooten and. Uh, Anyone who knows me is sick of hearing about Billy Sheehan all the time. He's like, all I talk about. But when you see what these guys can do with the bass guitar that just other instruments can't do, and I see these guys and I'm like, yes, that is the noise. That is the noise that I want to make. <laughs> and, and sometimes when, when, I'm, when I'm playing the bass, I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. This is it. The noise that I wanted to make, I've found it. This is it now. Of course, how it ended up becoming a profession was just purely... I remember being in Leaving Cert and a few of the boys in school were like, will we give busking a go to make some money for beer? And no. then it worked. We, we got enough money for beer. And then before I knew it, we were, I was paying the rent with busking. And then we were doing gigs and then you know, it was weddings and pub gigs. And you just, you just kind of fall into it that way, I think. Are we on the last question? Shall we are. So we have a... Um, question that our manager put in Yvonne and she's saying looking at these questions they're all very lighthearted, and to me it reflects the jokey nature of the band members how important is that kind of atmosphere in being a band does it help or hinder anything it's um it's kind of part of our um not quite brand but I don't have another name for it you know it's it's in the blood of the songs it's in the live show it's in the way we interact on social media you know there's a lot of crack and there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek i don't think yeah no like like being silly and messing and joking is definitely like a a core part of what our band is about i i remember being at, uh, at the open mic before and seeing you play an original one of yours, fucking great song. I remember thinking to myself while we were listening, I was like, why don't we do this with Dead Horse Jive? I, remember I asked you and you said, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like a Dead Horse Jive song. I was like, I guess it doesn't, but it is really good. And then I figured out what it was that makes it a not Dead Horse Jive song. And I think that it was just, it's too sincere. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that we write, even though, you know, you've got all of the different people coming in along with their different creative attitudes and stuff, it all ends up being filtered through a kind of a jokey lens because cause that's, that's just what the band is. That's the, the energy in the band. I, th- I think it's more fun that way for us in a purely selfish kind of way. I don't know how long I would have stuck it out if we were pure serious all the time. Yeah, I, did, I definitely but, I yeah. definitely do look at um, musicians whose act is based around like more serious music and like a serious presence and it it does look like it would be exhausting yeah mentally draining if if nothing else having to reserve yourself so much emotionally yeah and i'm definitely not shitting on anyone whose act that is i'm more saying i couldn't do it so yeah yeah it's uh it's it's just so different from what we do yeah i I think it's just it's just naturally what comes out with us when we're writing on our way to a gig on stage there's just always that um quality of messing i don't i don't (laughs) know how to be without it i don't know how bands who are on stage and don't have that 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 jokey this i don't know how to do it like even even when i'm playing solo gigs playing my 
like acoustic songs, which would be more sincere. I still find myself going into like having a bit of crack with the audience between the songs and stuff like that, you know? So I think that that aspect is kind of inherent now, having been so fluent in it with, with the lads, like, you know? I remember one gig we did a few months ago where like, I, I got out of work, hopped in the car, we drove up to Donegal, uh, we had a lot of setting up to do, and then we played a two, two and a half hour gig. We unloaded, we packed everything into the car, we drove down, we, we ended up not getting into Galway until about five. I think once we were in Galway, then we had to take all of our gear out in the practice space that we were renting oh at the God. time and set it up because someone was going to be in the room the next day. And we said we, they could use like our drum kit and our PA. So we had to have that all set up for them. And it was coming up on six in the morning. I had work at 10. Oh, man. And I was just feeling so defeated and exhausted and hating everything. And I remember looking around at everyone else and you were just cracking jokes and laughing. And I just remember being like, how how are you still having a laugh like i am dead on my feet i want to sleep for 12 hours and cry for that entire time also at the same time somehow i couldn't understand how you were just like unpacking stuff after like 12 hours on the road and still pulling the piss out of each other i think we all allow each other to feel like that as well if four of us are having the crack and someone's like i'm so not enjoying my existence right now we don't like try and force it either which i think is really healthy you know healthy, yeah good i don't know yeah i don't have driving around all the time it's good to be able to have a laugh and like chat the whole way but there's some days that you just do not have it in you and you just want to throw on your headphones for the entire car journey. Yeah, I think you should leave someone to do that when, when, they've, when they're having that kind of a day. Speaking of days, I think we're going to call it a day there. Would you like to do an outro, John? Or do you want me to do it? Oh, geez, I would have prepared something. Ah, oh, fuck, I don't know. Um, that's yeah. podcast over. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Rockefeller Storytellers, the podcast by Dead Horse Jive. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, then we are on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Bandcamp, and all the other usual online places. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would love to hear from you. So please get in touch if you want to let us know what you thought of this week's episode, or if you have any questions of your own for the band. If you're feeling extra generous and you want to do your part to help keep independent musicians afloat, then you can send us a small tip on paypal.me forward slash deadhorsejive. All contributions, no matter how large or small, will help us to pay for things such as recording time, touring expenses, purchasing new equipment, and the marketing we use to help get our music out there. Once again, thank you very much for listening to Rockefeller's Storytellers. We hope you enjoyed and see you next time.